Hello, my name is Michael, and you're listening to Forever Sound Version, a video game music podcast. Dear friends, and welcome to another episode of Forever Sound Version. This is episode number 57. My name is Michael, and today I have a guest, another guest, and it's a debut appearance for Mr. Ed Wilson of the VG Embassy. How are you doing, Ed? 
Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I've been listening since, I don't know, maybe episode two or three of Forever Sound Version. So it's a, it's a great honor to finally be here. Oh, well, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, yes, you, you've been you've been here from the start, pretty much. So uh, many thanks for your uh, support along the way. I remember early on you were giving me some pointers on how to, uh, how to make these episodes happen. So I'd still much appreciate it. <laughs> That's right, I remember that, yeah. So, um, why don't you tell my dear listeners uh, a little bit about what you do over there in the United States of America with your podcast, The VG Embassy? Sure, yeah. So this is a uh, England to New England uh, production Ooh, we're, we're doing here. <laughs> I like that. That works. That works. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in Connecticut in the United States, and uh, I started off... Um, with Pixel Tunes Radio, with my co-host Mike Levy, we did uh, mm. a little over a hundred shows over the course of four years, and that was all, you know, video game music. And then uh, Mike and I kind of went our separate ways and did two different shows. So he went off and did XVGM Radio, and now I'm doing a show called The VG Embassy. And so it's a video game music show where I have a different guest on with me every episode, and I call them uh, VG Ambassador. VG so Ambassador. They- yeah, they nice. bring with us. They bring to us their um, their own video game music culture. So I kind of have my guest design their own show and kind of um, pick the topic, and we kind of work together to create a show. So every show is a little bit different. Some are a little bit funny and silly. Some are a little more serious and go you know deep diving into some real um, deep information. But you know you're kind mm. of uh, going to be surprised every time you listen to a new episode. Yeah, you've already covered rather a lot of ground uh, in terms of just the style and execution of the episodes as well as the kinds of music and the kinds of kinds of games that you cover um i remember there was a particularly anarchic one recently with the rhythm and pixels boys on board do i remember that correctly yes we did uh, hideki naganuma who's responsible for all the like the jet set radio soundtracks and stuff mm, so uh good stuff that was that was the night before we all got together for uh, a video game expo panel the next day so it was uh it's like a, it was a big party episode we figured naganuma had did party music so we wanted to mm. have a party atmosphere so we had a lot of fun with that yeah it was fun to listen to as well so uh great stuff uh this episode on my podcast is something that's uh, very close to my heart. I'm sure that you're already well aware of that, Ed, and many of my listeners will be as well. We're going to look at the Commodore 64, but games released on this platform, let's call it Modern C64. Uh, Now, the tune that played us in was the title tune, uh, subtune number one, from a game called Jar's Revenge, which was released in 2011. And the composer of that title tune is Sasha Ziedler, also known as Linus. Now, this game is kind of an oddball, since it was a game by a cracking group, a C64 cracking group called TRSI, of which Linus was a member at the time. And it is sort of a C64 version of the Atari 2600 classic Yars Revenge, so they've slightly modified the title here. It's um, it's a fairly basic affair gameplay-wise. It's, it takes place on a single screen, and you control what, to me, looks like a mosquito or something. I don't know what you think, but some kind of insect buzzing around the screen. You have Definitely to f- a bug, yeah. Yeah, some kind of bug. You're fighting through a force field, and you have to destroy this base on the right side of the screen by running into the base to equip a missile and then launching it. And, uh, yeah, the, the levels get more and more difficult as you go. So it's, it's quite a straightforward-looking affair, but uh, 
It's one that I've sank a fair bit of time into uh, over the last couple of weeks doing some research for this. Uh, do you have any experience with this one, Ed? I don't. You know, I was looking at some YouTube video of the gameplay just to kind of familiarize myself with it, and it took me a while to figure out kind of what was going on on screen because, <laughs> you know, like you said, I was looking at the bug, I was looking at this sort of staticky field kind of near the left-hand side, and then this <laughs> spinning red kind of mass of pixels on the right-hand side, and the bug would go over and kind of like remove some of the mass and then fly back and then kind of shoot. It was it was like it was it was hard to really kind of tell what was going on, but after a while I kind of uh, figured out exactly what you were what, what, what you were talking about. Yeah, that yeah. It's kind of like gathering equipment to make this missile to kind of shoot back at the uh, at the at the enemy that's on the right hand side. So very interesting stuff. Yeah, it is, and uh, it's a sort of thing where it maybe takes you five ten minutes to get your head around everything that's happening. But once you have it, then you, you're kind of locked in, and it's just a matter of just playing the game. And on a pure gameplay level, it is quite gratifying. You have to be on your toes to avoid. The, the projectiles that launch from the base. Uh, it takes practice to get good at this thing, so there's a little bit of longevity in there by virtue of how how stiff a challenge it is. And, uh, of course, there are other games uh, that I think are more accomplished than this particular one uh, for the C64, but the reason I went with this is just because that tune is kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. It's an <laughs> outstanding example of what Linus can do uh, with the SID ships filtering. Uh, just the level of polyphony on this thing when we're only talking about three available channels. I um, I think it's a... Well, I hope it's a pretty decent way of kicking this episode off. Absolutely. I mean, huge, chunky bass, really catchy melody hooks. Uh, this is kind of like poppin' and lockin' music. I think I, 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 could, <laughs> I could envision people doing, like, the robot or, like, you know, some, some oh, modern-style yeah. breakdance to this for sure. Uh, and there's a fantastic solo that comes in about three-quarters of the way through mm. uh, that has kind of, like, this nice, like, thin kind of filtery reverb on it. It just... His instrument choices are amazing for this track, and I think it definitely helps the song uh, have a lot of character and sets itself kind of apart from other music on the Sid ship. Absolutely, yeah. I think you're definitely right to flag up the instrument choice side of things, because in this Sid composition game, uh, you kind of live and die by your sound design. I mean, all the sounds you're using have kind of got to be built from the ground up when you're composing for the Sid. Uh, so it's there's like a musical frame of mind you have to deploy, but there's also a technical one in terms of the sound design. And I think uh, you know Linus is right up there with the best today. Uh, he's in a bunch of uh, C64 groups like off top of my head, I think he's in Oxyron Shape and uh, Multi Style Labs, which is a, a music group with the creme de la creme, if you like, of Commodore 64 <laughs> composers. So Jammers in there, Elman, uh, Randall, people like that. It, it really is a Premier League standard. Uh, so we've, we've started pretty strongly music wise, but I think the playlist we have assembled here is hopefully going to keep listeners happy. Uh, your picks, I've had a sneaky look, Ed, and they're very good. So uh, would you like to kick off your side of the playlist? Absolutely. All right. So for my first pick of the day, we're going to take uh, Earth from the game Planet Golf. And this is composed by Aldo and Gaetano Chumo.
we just had subtune number five, Earth, from the excellent Planet Golf on the Commodore 64. The game was released in 2017, and the composers were Aldo and Gaetano Chumo. Uh, that's a nice pick, Ed. What can you tell us about this one? Oh, man. So I really enjoy this one. It's kind of a side-view mini-golf game mm. that relies on fairly realistic physics, I guess. You uh, you know, you get your ball and you have a little arc that tells you where the ball is going to fly. You kind of pick your strength and your angle. And the object, of course, is to get it across kind of a obstacle landscape into the hole on the other side of the screen. And along the way, there are little aliens and you can go to different planets and different planets have their own gravitational fields. So the ball is going to behave differently depending on where you are. Uh, graphics are a lot of fun. There's a lot of really cool animation. There's portals and uh, conveyor belts that you can oh, ride your ball belts. on along the way. Yeah, yeah they, get to be, <laughs> they get to be a lot of fun, uh, I guess is the best way to put it, along the way. And um, But it's, it's great. I mean, it's got a great soundtrack. This is um, the soundtrack of the song that plays on Earth, which is pretty much, I guess, the first level that you should... Mm play uh, out of the three that are available yeah. to you uh, simply because the gravity is tutorial holes in a way if you like. yeah and and the gravity is going to be the most um natural feeling i guess um uh but very addictive i think we were both we were both talking while we were listening to the song and we both kind of started to play just to check it out for a couple minutes and ended up going a lot longer than we had intended to you know that's right yes so <laughs> those early tutorial levels that one of the one of the messages it gives you is, hey, golfers, hey, birds, did you know that you can try and hit the bird? I went, oh, okay. So I just put far too much time into uh, trying to hit this avian menace. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, that probably isn't. <laughs> I should probably be trying to get the ball into the hole ultimately, but if you're going to tell me that, then that's the first thing I'm going to try and do over and over again. Right, uh, right. But yeah, it's, it is a, I mean, considering the platform and the, uh, the quite novel 2D approach, I find the physics to be like really nicely executed actually yeah uh, and uh, 99 levels I believe there is across five planets so I'm, I'm just nowhere near finished this thing it's a sort of game you uh, kind of come back to you know you just sort of remember remember that it exists uh, I, I think I would I would probably go nuts if I tried to complete this in uh, one elongated sitting uh, <laughs> but, no there's um, definitely a lot of replay value for sure oh no doubt uh, and the music, yes, uh, that particular tune, it sort of... Uh, I, I didn't know golf could be so emotional, Ed. It, it really takes <laughs> you on a bit of a ride, that one. It starts out, uh, yeah, I can see I can see how this would work. You know, you got something that sounds like a guitar. Uh, you know, you're having a nice, relaxing few few rounds of golf, you know, a few friends. And then halfway through, it just locks into this, uh, like, quite rocking section, really. Yeah, some some very good approximations of you know what might be an electric guitar. Um, almost felt like maybe kind of Celtic rock to me. I felt like maybe there were mm. like some bagpipe soloing sections in there. I mean, that <laughs> instrument could really probably be anything you want it to be, but that's kind of what I imagined yeah. in my head. They like golf in that Scotland, don't they? So that's, exactly, that, that that's, maybe that's where I came up with it. But yeah, uh, yeah I don't mind that. You're going to be playing on earth for quite a while so it's nice that this track definitely has a lot of different parts to it because it kind of feels like you're listening to several different songs and not just hearing you know the same bass line and the same groove over and over again so there's always something you know new to treat your ears to as you're as you're spending some time on these golf planets that's right yeah i, c I can hear that 
So uh, this game uh, was released by a couple of uh, publishers, actually. It was released by both Cytronic and RGCD. Now, quite a few of the games we're covering in this episode uh, have been published by uh, either one of those companies, amongst some others like uh, Protovision as well, I believe. Uh, With Cytronic mentioned, I'm going to go into my next pick, which is another Cytronic game. And I think it's the most recent title uh, for the episode. This one came out in 2018, which is this year. And it's a game called Steel Ranger. We're going to hear Subtune 7, Security Tower, by Lassa Ernie, also known as Cadaver. had Subtune 7, Security Tower from Steel Ranger on the Commodore 64, released in 2018. And this game, as it stands, is my Commodore 64 game of the year. Uh, we're in October, it seems unlikely that anything's going to be it. Um, it's, it. It really is something special, this one. Um, the game's developer is... Um, I was going to say a company. Uh, I'm not sure if I can really call it a company. It is Covert BitOps, which is essentially just uh, Cadaver, uh, a real master of of the 8-bit world for me, of the six, of, of the C64 scene specifically. Uh, he also made Goat Tracker, uh, which is a very widely used. 
piece of software, cross-platform software for making uh, music for the Commodore 64. So he, I think a lot of us owe him a considerable debt to begin with, even before we play the games that he made. Uh, this one is a kind of a sequel to a game called Hessian, which also that came out was it? It was either last year or the year before. Um, they're quite similar games, sort of a think of think of it as a cross between Metroid and Turrican. I think you've been checking out some gameplay there, haven't you, Ed? So, which I mean, does it look like Metroid or Turrican to you? It looks like a very good combination of two of them. I'd say definitely it's got that kind of Metroid feel where you're kind of uh, going through unevenly uh, terrained caves mm. with enemies that are, you know, falling off of the ceiling and shooting bullets at you. But then uh, it's got that run and gun feel of Turrican along with it. Oh, I mean, yes. the character that you're playing as definitely has that kind of uh, holding a rifle, swinging it back and forth as you're running kind of Turrican aesthetic. So, yeah, great, great combination of the two. And, uh, you know, for the limited color palette on the C64, they're using it quite well. I mean, the caves look very nice. The enemies are standing out very, very well. There's none of that kind of, um, like, uh, uh, kind of like harsh color blending like mm. you get in a lot of other C64 games. Everything's very defined. It's sharp, isn't it? Yeah, that's it, it certainly yeah. helps when, uh, when seconds count and you have to jump over a chasm at the last moment and gun something down. You know, it's, uh, it, it really does need to be that sharp. So, uh, a really quite a fantastic game this one um one thing i want to mention about uh about cadaver's style as a musician because musician coder uh sprite artist this this guy does everything basically but his music uh, a lot of his tracks uh from this game and also some of his earlier ones have a real driving uh like metal feel to them and uh he's uh he produced four games that are somewhat comparable to Steel Ranger in terms of gameplay called uh, Metal Warrior, which I've just realized is kind of a synonym for Steel Ranger in a way, isn't it? Uh, you did, you, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's about um, a heavy metal guy, a, a guitarist in a heavy metal band who has to go on uh, all sorts of gritty adventures involving guns and things. And the soundtrack is just... Uh, it, it's similarly raging, I would say. I mean, how do you feel about this sort of sound? Yeah, I mean, I didn't get too much of a metal feel from this. I did get more maybe of like a uh, like a Turrican style. Um, it's got a great driving beat, mm. and, it, and it feels like a run-and-gun soundtrack to me quite a bit. Um, but it didn't have a lot of those like screaming like guitars and blast beats and stuff that I would normally uh, expect from like a, like a metal soundtrack. But, you know, were, were you hearing something uh, different? I guess this one grooves a bit more. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, I, I, I guess maybe if I were listening to it and, and I had been told ahead of time, hey, maybe this guy does a lot of rock, maybe I would have interpreted it like that maybe a little bit more. Mm, but okay. not not to say that it wasn't a great song. I mean, this is fantastic. Um, but uh, I felt it was more of a like a general action, run-and-gun uh, piece of video game music than, than a rock track. That That's probably just me, mm, though. Okay, well, I think, I think it definitely accomplishes that as well. So... Uh yeah, just a just a fantastic soundtrack on this one. Uh, I can't remember the number of subtunes on this game, but there are quite a few. Uh, same goes for Hessian. So uh, this game is highly recommended on pretty much every level. Like I say, probably my game of the year 2018. But we'll we'll see. You never know what might sneak out before the year's out. Uh, before we move on, Ed, uh, you've got another pick for us, but. Uh, 
why don't you tell me a little about your experience with the the platform in general, the Commodore 64? Uh, uh, I understand that you have another podcast that covers uh, Sid music uh, of a demo scene persuasion. Yeah, so over here in the States, uh, the Commodore 64 was not nearly as widely released as it was in Europe, uh, and the Amiga even less so. Mm. So I had a very limited experience growing up with it. My mom uh, was a teacher, and so she had a couple of Commodore 64s in the back of her classroom. Nice. And so um, over the summer, when there was summer break, um, like late August, early September, before school went back in, I would sometimes go to her school with her, and she would be setting up her classroom, and uh, you know, I'd be sitting around bored, so she'd be like, oh, here, I have some games on these floppy disks, why don't you, you know, stick them in and see if you can get mm. them running. So I played maybe a few, like, Electronic Arts uh, Commodore 64 games at my mom's school, um, but that was really about it. And so I didn't really get reintroduced to it until um, Brian from Pixelated Audio and I started doing this Impulse Project podcast together in which we shared music from the demo scene and the tracking community. Yes. And, um, you know, we started off with mod files and mostly uh, Amiga stuff. And then we slowly introduce new chips as we go through the show. And once we got to Sid music, I started getting reintroduced to the Sid chip and fell absolutely in love with it. Oh, yes. So, um, so I'm, I'm mainly familiar with the Commodore 64 demo scene and not so much with video games because I really, like I said, didn't grow up with them. So my, my main experience is with modern C64 stuff. So this, is, this show is really cool because it's a lot of these demo sceners that I'm used to, but creating music for video games, which is kind of opposite of what I'm used to with the Sid chip. <laughs> yeah. So it's a great kind of combination of the yeah. two. Um, so yeah, I mean, we uh, I try to throw in at least one um, Sid track for every uh, impulse project we do that isn't specifically focused on a different a different chip. So I'm, I'm you know really trying to get people introduced to a lot of the Sid music that maybe they haven't um, had experience with if they're only into listening to you know mods or you know uh, Game Boy uh, demo scene music or something like that. I want them to get them into the C64 stuff. It's a very noble cause, Ed. A very noble cause. I try. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good point because uh, I suppose in a way this uh, looking at modern C64 games does kind of bridge the demo scene with the gaming aspect of the platform. Uh, and it's just kind of amazing to me uh, and, and very gratifying to see so much software still coming out for this thing. Uh, so, I mean, being being a European, Ed, uh, we I did have uh, <laughs> access to a Commodore 64, as did uh, many people. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm talking about when I was oh five or six years old. I was messing about with my granddad's C64 uh, hmm. in in the UK. Uh, home computers were a, a pretty big thing before home consoles really got a foothold in the market for games. Uh, so, I, I've always had a kind of a, a latent love for the system that recently I've found myself fleshing out in a major way, you know, becoming a composer myself on this thing. Uh, I'm just happy that the scene hasn't gone to bed before I, uh, before my time as a composer, you know, I can, I can hopefully have a little, a decent spell of time doing this thing. Yeah. No, if anything, yeah, if anything, the, the SID scene has been growing as of late. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, demo scene parties and everything just kind of based around the SID chip and SID music. Mm. Uh, Battle of the Bits has been doing a lot of SID-based competitions, so I think you're in very good company. And, you know, I've heard your, your SID stuff, and you've pretty much p 
picked up from you know scratch and have started creating some really excellent tunes so i think you know you're you're going to be right up there with with the greats eventually <laughs> so i really appreciate that ed thank you very much yeah i'm, I'm <laughs> blushing over here um <laughs> all right well um to save my blushes how about we have another tune uh from yourself what do you have coming up for us Sure, this is a game that uh, reminds me a lot of uh, the Mario games, kind of a cross between maybe Mario 3 and Super Mario Mm. World. Uh, This is a game called Sam's Journey. This came out last year, 2017, and this is a track called Ice Flowers by Alexander Ney, otherwise known as Taxim. Ice Flowers from Sam's Journey, released in 2017, composed by Alexander Ney, also known as Taxim. And yeah, that's a that's a bouncy old number there. My my brain listening to that the groove on that thing just kept going one potato, two potato, one. Oh potato, yeah, for two. sure. Yeah, so that's a, that's something you all have to live with now. <laughs> um, so uh, why'd you pick this one then, Ed? Well, first of all, to clarify, um, I just kind of came up with the name Ice Flowers because this is the, uh, that's the first level that you hear this particular track play in. I'm pretty sure ah. they kind of cycle through songs because there's so many levels in this game. It's pretty They do huge. a little bit. Yes, they do a little um, bit. Yeah, so this Ice Flowers is the name of the first stage where this plays. Otherwise, I, you know, I could call it something generic like Gameplay 3 or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
But I, I, I really enjoyed it. I really like this whole soundtrack. It was hard to kind of pick one track from Sam's journey that really appealed. Um, but again, it's that one potato tube, you know, that 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 kind of groove <laughs> that you were just talking about. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really attracted to music like that, kind of a mid-tempo, a lot of focus on uh, bass and percussion that really kind of gets me uh, frothing at the mouth for great VGM. Mm. So um, so this is kind of where I, I kind of wanted to pick something like that for this track. And some of my other tracks were a little more focused towards melody, so I feel like um, this was a nice kind of change of pace and something that uh, I'm more uh, appreciate in other VGM. So, okay. um, but yeah, I mean, you know, great. It's not mind-blowing it's as far as like you know the demo scene stuff that i'm used to they're pulling all the tricks in the book to to get you to be absolutely wowed with sid music but this is a little more simple but it's extremely competent it works very very well as video game background music uh, and it's just extremely pleasant to listen to yeah yeah and i think um as much as maybe the melody isn't always the principal focus it when the um when like a little motif does come in it it has a kind of adventurous swashbuckling spirit behind it you know for sure i think it works quite nicely with what the game's doing yeah it has a little jaunty kind of hey i'm a little cute guy on an adventure kind of a deal so sam uh the character you play as in this game he he can transform into a pirate with a sword and when you're jumping around uh you know platforming and slashing at things i think it, it works quite nicely really um so this is a I mean, it's a seriously massive game, quite a considerable achievement on the Commodore 64. Uh, you said it was somewhere between Mario Brothers 3 and Super Mario World, didn't you? Uh, I think I think that's about right as well. Um, thinking about uh, uh, the world map system that it has before you jump into certain levels, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the tightness of the platforming, and then you know the variety of suits you can change into to accomplish. Uh, particular parts of the levels giving you special abilities it really is um a decent mario game on the commodore 64 it doesn't really cut any corners it it looks the part it plays really well uh i mean prior to this we had i suppose great Gianna sisters was the uh uh, Mario surrogate that we had on the Commodore 64 right, of, right, yeah. of uh, dubious legality uh, <laughs> but um this one i mean we we have a fully fledged uh mario like at this point thanks to the developers Knights of Byte. Uh see I have played this game but I haven't I haven't uh 100%ed all of the levels yet so I'm really quite sure there's uh there are some things I'm missing but uh how do you feel about this game is you have you spent any time with this one I did. I, I played probably the first three or four levels, and, um, you know, I grew up with... Uh, I started off on the Atari 2600 and then was an NES kid all the way up until the release of the of the SNES. Mm. And so, um, you know, usually when I play C64 games, I'm kind of comparing them more to the NES games that I've played, just because, you know, both being um, kind of 8-bit systems and, and having... Fair. PSG sound chips, you know, I kind of relate them to one another. I found myself more comparing this to SNES games than uh, NES games, just because it feels like so much more than than a standard 8-bit style game that I'm used to. I think they really borrowed a lot from the early 16-bit platforming titles on both the Genesis and, or the Mega Drive and the SNES. Definitely. Um, and uh, and so they did did a fantastic job approximating a 16-bit game on a Commodore 64. So hats off to them for this. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what Knights of Bytes come out with next. Although I suspect it'll probably take a while if this is the kind of project that they like to pursue. Uh, <laughs> I'm I, I I'm willing imagine. to wait. Yeah, me too, me too. 
So let's move on to uh, something entirely different. Uh, quite a <laughs> compact little game, this one. This is Super Breadbox, released in 2013 on the Commodore 64. And we're going to have subtune number four, Rocket Silo, composed by Mikhail Hastrup, also known as Encore. was subtune number four for the rocket silo level from super bread box on the commodore 64 released in 2013 this is a game uh, by the group vlambeer it's a c64 version of the pc indie title super create box so the title super bread box refers to both super create box and the bread bin-esque look of the original c64 model uh this is a really fun game. Uh, I I wasn't actually uh, familiar with Super Create Box until I played this one, Super Bread Box. It's, I mean, talking about addictive games, right? This is one of the most addictive games, not just C64 games, but video games in general that I've ever played. It's so Moorish. It's so ridiculous, dumb fun, uh, jumping around levels, picking up crates, gunning little balls of gloop down and this is the music you listen to in the background so yeah it's just a real pick it up and straight away you're in there you know exactly what you have to do i love this stuff ed i mean what do you think of this one yeah it's great it's it's it reminded me kind of a combination of like uh puzzle bobble or a bubble bobble and mm. contra you know it's yeah. like that one screen <laughs> cartoony but then you get oh, this character fantastic. with this you know run and gun action going on yeah. so uh and, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. And the music, it's not a very long loop, but it's so groovy and so fun to listen to that you can just kind of listen to it for as long as you're playing the level, and it, it never really gets tiring. The, the pace of the music really matches the pace of the action going on screen. Definitely, so definitely. they fit together like a puzzle piece, and it, it just sounds like a perfect complement to the action going on. Um, 
lots of different types of enemies. Um, you know, it's it's one of those games where you die a lot, but <laughs> you keep coming back for more because it's just so easy to pick up and play. You just die, and then you're immediately back in the action again. There's no, like, huge continue screens where you're like, oh, do I really want to play again? It just, you know, you're like, oh, one push of the button, I'm back in the action. Let's keep going and going. So no really good game design that way. I would say to anyone listening who hasn't played much uh, on the Commodore 64 before, either you know, be it real hardware or emulators, try this one seriously. Like, if you like video games, you probably will like this. I think it holds up. Uh, uh, it's just so, so intuitive and compelling for a very simple idea, really. Uh, right. The composer for this, um, going by the handle Encore, is a Swedish uh, coder and SID composer. Um, and a lot of the modern Commodore 64 scene does seem to be centered around Sweden, which is quite curious. It was a, a big deal in Sweden was the Commodore 64. Uh, so very famous cracking groups like Fairlight and modern demo groups like Booze, they all, all have their roots in Sweden. Uh, there are demo parties out there. So it's, you know, it's not too surprising that some of the some of the best coders and SID musicians are from Sweden or at least Scandinavia, like Lasse Ernie, who we had on before from uh, Steel Ranger. He's from Finland. So interesting thing. And I've been on, I've been working on some uh, crazy device I received in the mail recently. It's a, it's a Wi-Fi modem for the Commodore 64. So I can access <laughs> uh, a BBS, a bulletin board systems on my Commodore 64 through Wi-Fi. Oh, that's and, fantastic. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, can you believe it? So I've been going onto these <laughs> boards and it, it always amuses me when uh, the Swedes and the Scandinavian people on the who also use this system start talking about data weather, uh, which is uh, when the weather starts getting a little bit poor, you know, it's win- winter's on its way. That's okay. Uh, it's, it's the data weather. That's when you go inside and start coding and making SID tunes and things. Uh, that's so funny. I think maybe up, up here in Newcastle, I don't know about uh, uh, New England, but in Newcastle we... We're definitely looking at some pretty serious data weather soon, so I'm looking forward to playing some playing some more games inside, getting nice and cozy, you know. I'll say that the only negative, uh, not 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 negative, but challenging part about having the, the uh, C64 demo scene being so uh, popular in Scandinavia is, as Americans, Brian and I are always struggling to pronounce everyone's name when we're <laughs> announcing them. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, there are some difficult names out there for sure. Uh, so yeah sorry everyone I mean I struggle with them as well right usually we apologize I was like I'm sorry if we're getting your name wrong but this is how we think we pronounce your name yeah (laughs) Uh, you know yeah gotta have a try haven't you exactly all right let's move on to uh, your third pick of the show what do you have for us now sure so we uh, just enjoyed the music of Mikkel Hausstrop otherwise known as Encore what do you say we have an Encore of Encore oh, our next yeah. track yeah. is uh, is from a game called Solus uh, this came out just a year before Super Breadbox uh, 2012 this is the introductory cinematic track from Solus also by Encore, Mikkel Hausdrop. So let's take a listen to it.
we just heard Subtune 3, the introductory cinematic tune from Solus on the Commodore 64, composed by Mikhail Hastrup. Uh, a deeply atmospheric track for a deeply atmospheric adventure game, uh, released by Cytronic once again. They have a lot of titles to their name. Uh, yeah, this is a this is a game I haven't spent a great deal of time with yet. I haven't finished this game. I'm, I'm nowhere near finishing this one, actually. But um, I'm looking forward to uh, getting into it properly. That tune is a real departure from the last one we heard by the same composer, right? Absolutely. And, yeah, real, real spooky affair, I think. Yeah, so when I first started playing this game, I was reminded immediately of, like, a Castlevania Symphony of the Night. It has kind of a Metroidvania feel. Um, everything's mm. very gothic. You're in this dungeon. Uh, there are multiple paths to take. So, um, you know, running and jumping around, it's a side-scrolling game, and uh, I'm like, okay, well, where's my attack? Like, do I need to pick up a weapon? How do I defeat these enemies? Where am I going? And mm. uh, I suddenly realized that there's no attack button. Like, I, I literally need to dodge everybody. There's nothing I can do to uh, defend myself in this game except motion, moving and jumping. So the whole object of the game is to avoid enemies and to literally search every single uh, every single vase, every single treasure chest, every single lantern, er- everything in every level to come up with uh, potions and keys and clues to get you through all of these levels. So it's a kind of a puzzle adventure game, but it's built like a side-scrolling Metroidvania action-style game. So it's a really kind of interesting Mm -hmm. combination between the two genres. And I found it a lot of fun because it was... uh, You look at every single screen a little bit differently when you can't just, you know, run and slice or, you know, jump and shoot a guy. And you have to figure out how do I avoid his pattern instead of how do I meet his pattern so that I can attack him. Uh, And I had a lot of fun with it. I ended up going through, I don't know, maybe about half the game or so. But, uh, you know, great, fantastic music. It fit very, very well with the action. Like I said, this was from the introductory sequence of the game in which um, you're a king in a time of peace and this evil wizard kind of turns you into a beast and imprisons you in a dungeon in the bottom of the castle. And uh, you're there for a thousand years just kind of rotting away uh, until there's an earthquake and your prison breaks open. And so that's basically where the game starts as you trying to uh, mm-hmm. leave the dungeon, get up through the castle to, I guess, find whatever awaits you after a thousand years um, of history that's gone by. So um, That's heavy. Yeah, yeah, very cool. And, and <laughs> the heaviness matches this track. It's very moody, very atmospheric, and very kind of sad. Like, ugh, you feel really bad mm-hmm. for this guy. He didn't do anything wrong, and suddenly he's trapped in a prison mutated for you know a thousand years it's it's pretty heavy stuff yeah no doubt no doubt um yeah it's, it's just novel singer c64 game where you aren't blasting things you know that's a real departure yeah for sure for me um <laughs> if you're into this sort of thing uh the, the kind of metroid metroidvania type affairs there's another one uh, also published by cytronic if i remember rightly called night and grail have you seen that one i haven't no but it sounds really cool yeah that one is a lot like Castlevania, uh, for my money at least. I think if you're looking for a decent uh, Castlevania-like affair, then Night and Grail is uh, pretty good. I mean, the graphics are... uh, I would say say the graphics are functional, but where it really shines is in its gameplay. Uh, The soundtrack's also functional. I think what we're hearing with Solus here is uh, 
uh, somewhere in between a, a functional soundtrack and something where the composer's spreading their wings a little bit in a manner where in a manner similar to what they might do as a demo scene composer. Although this is a it's not a particularly showy track though. It's kind of patient, uh, playing on like negative space quite a lot across the three channels. Hmm. Uh, it's nice to have that change of pace for sure, and it is sad. You know, it's a real there's a real melancholic thing going on with this. So you say the soundtrack's a, a pretty good one across the board. Yeah. Does it um, does develop like emotionally at all? It has. Um, I don't want to say like a Castlevania. F- Feel it has kind of a gothic feel, but it's mm. a little more adventurous. It's a little more upbeat because you know you are kind of wandering around, and and really, it's it's got to be music that's going to keep you motivated to get through the game. So of course, of course. Um, but it has it still has that kind of same thickness of uh, texture to the synths, just you know a little bit faster pace with a little extra percussion thrown in for some some driving beats. So it's mm. it's definitely worth a listen. Oh great, okay. Well, I'm gonna spend some more time with this one when when I get through my ever-expanding list. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to take another sharp left turn on the playlist now. You'll be pleased to hear. Um, I'm going for a 2013 title on the Commodore 64. This is Berserk. That's Berserk, not Berserk. Berserk Redux. <laughs> and this is the loader for this game. It was composed by Peter Nagli Miklos, also known as Necropolo.
We just had The Loader, the loading tune from Berserk Redux, released in 2013 on the Commodore 64, composed by Necropolo. And shout out to Necropolo because he is in my group on the Commodore 64 scene. He's in Hakuto Force. Oh, nice. Uh, as am I. So, hey, it's nice to, nice to play a tune by someone uh, from my, my team. <laughs> Represent. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Representing Hakuto Force. Uh, this is a very aggressive tune, I, I, I believe. It sounds uh, a genuinely quite a rocking one, I think. Uh, a really, uh, really coarse bass line on that. Uh, quite a propulsive feel in the drums. Um, so it's, it's a typical loader where you'd sit and wait for the game to be playable, basically. Uh, in, in many cases, uh, especially if you're loading from tape on a Commodore 64, you're going to be sat down a little while before you're able to play the game. So this one, uh, I mean, I, I run this game from disc, uh, disc images, so I don't have that problem, but uh, I, I'm always thankful for loaders when I'm loading from tape. It gives you something to get a... Uh, something to rock out to and get excited to play the game. Uh, this game, Berserk Redux, it's um, it's another modern C64 take on a very old game. In this case, Berserk, which uh, was an arcade game that got a couple of ports, I believe, to the Vectrex, a vector graphics game system, and the Atari 2600. Now, I had access to the 2600 port uh, when I was a kid, and I really loved this one, so... Getting a slick C64 version was was really amazing. It's a it's a fun little game. It's uh, you find yourself in a series of small mazes filled with uh, killer robots, which you can shoot down. But you have to exit the maze as quickly as you can because if you're too slow, this cheeky, bouncy, smiley face called Evil Otto, which is a great name, starts <laughs> uh, chasing you around the level until you're able to leave. So you do have to be uh, you do have to be quite brisk. And um, the gameplay is punctuated by this uh, digitized speech, uh, like sampled speech, uh, saying things like "kill the human" across like various pitches, which is pretty creepy, really. Uh, yeah, what do you think of this one, Ed? Yeah, well, I'm glad that you have the same nostalgia that I do for this game because I had it on the 2600 when I was a kid as well. Ah, great, so, great. Um, yeah, and and it was always one of my favorite games to play because it feels of all the games that I had on the 2600 I think this game feels the most like um, the more modern games on the NES that came mm. after it you know kind of a run and gun action style game yes um, and I feel like they did it a lot of justice when they upported it to the you know the C64 for the Redux version here um, it, it feels very much the same except the animations may be a little bit smoother of course you know it's got some great music I don't think the 2600 version had any music I don't at think all. so no um, most of those VCS games didn't so um, but yeah as far as far as the loader tune is concerned um, it it made me feel like something that belonged maybe in like Final Fight it kind of had like a gritty urban feel uh, like, yeah. a, like a great beat em up style song um, which, which you know, for Berserk fits very well too, because it's kind of a run and gun action game. I think this would definitely uh, pump you up and get you super ready for uh, a lot of the action that's to come when when Berserk finally loads. So, no, no great, great choice of tunes on the loader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh man, uh, <laughs> I kind of want to go home and play uh, Berserk <laughs> Redux now. Um, yeah, it, it, 
I don't think in in the gameplay itself on uh, Berserk Redux, there's there's no music. It's uh, there's the digitized sound effects and the gunfire sounds, which right, right. maybe the lack of music uh, helps the the general feel and atmosphere of the game. Like you do, it does have a, quite an austere look about it, and and when you start getting chased by the sinister looking head, it, it does feel a little bit a little bit creepy. This one, uh, but then there's the loader tune and. The similarly rocking uh, title screen tune. So, oh, it's it's just really nice to see that uh, these modern games, even if uh, they're riffing on an existing like retro game that didn't have any music in it, there's still windows for modern composers to uh, supply some music, uh, like Necropolo in this case. Uh, it's it's a nice challenge. I mean, I've um, I've been composing like C64 music just for the music's sake. Uh, this year, but I have recently been afforded the challenge to uh, produce some tunes for a game that's hopefully coming out next year. And it does—you do think differently. You do—you do find yourself uh, considering uh, the compatibility with the game that the music's for, uh, and you know, juggling uh, juggling uh, channels of the Sid in some cases when one of them's uh, one of the channels is going to be taken up by sound effects, uh, like problems like that. So it, it right. does uh, it does present the composer with some different challenges. Uh, so yeah, th- another reason why I'm really happy there's there's still games coming out for the Commodore 64. I'm still amazed with uh, you know I learned on the uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle arcade game on the Commodore 64. Yoro and Tell composed the mm. soundtrack to that, and he was asked to do all of the gameplay music using only one channel of the Sid, oh, because they were going to be using two. So, and he made some fantastic music, so getting around those limitations um, for sure must be a, a challenge for any composer working on these games. And I guess you do have to look at VGM a little bit differently than you do with the demo scene stuff. You do, you absolutely do, yes. Yeah, alright, well, we're... Um we're approaching the end of our playlist. We are not going out on a low note. Oh, no. Or a slow note by oh, no. any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so this is a game called Slipstream. This came out in 2017. Uh, this is the menu track composed by Ronnie Engman, otherwise known as Dalesy.
Subtune 2, Menu Music, from Slipstream on the Commodore 64, released in 2017. And the composer is a certain Ronnie Engman, also known as Dalesy, who I have met very recently. I was in, I was in Berlin uh, a week and a bit ago for the Deadline demo party. I was entering the old school music competition with a Sid Tune of mine. And uh, I had a had a hunch he would be there. I checked the attendance lists of previous deadline parties, and I saw that Dale Z was on that list. Uh, pretty well known Sid composer uh, with the uh, with the Swedish cracking group Triad, a very well known group. So I got to the party place, had a look at the the register online, and sure enough, Dale Z was there. So I was talking to one of the organisers and. And I went, hey, I don't suppose you know a Dalesy, do you? He went, ah, oh, yes, of course, right this way. <laughs> and we walk, like we sort of turn around and walk a short distance to the bar, and there he was, stood at the bar with a slice of pizza and a couple of beers, and we got introduced, and we just stood there for a, it must have been a couple of hours in the end, just talking, drinking, and eating pizza. And oh wow, that was really nice of the organizer to do that for me because uh, he's a really, really good guy, a very talented composer very knowledgeable, uh, very warm and welcoming, which is what I needed being uh, uh, attending a demo party without knowing anyone, uh, <laughs> any of the attendees yeah. in advance. He, he was really cool. So uh, in the event of Dalesy listening right now, hello and thanks again for that. That was very kind. It's a pleasure doing battle with you at that, uh, on that weekend. And this, this is uh, one of my favourite tunes of his, actually, uh, from a, a very interesting soundtrack for a game on the Commodore 64. Slipstream is like a 3D shooter of sorts, released by Cytronic, and it it somehow manages to present polygonal graphics on a Commodore 64. Uh, I mean, so the gameplay, the way the game plays, it's not the smoothest, as you might expect from a machine released in 1982, but, I mean, this thing, to my eyes, still looks great, and it's got some very nice quirks about the gameplay as well the way you move your ship around in a kind of a grid and then fire upon the enemies that approach you and uh, Dalesy's like ravey soundtrack uh, is, is great fun and matches really nicely so uh, why'd you pick this one Ed? Well for one it was definitely the sound of the soundtrack I mean this was the type of music that really like was a mainstay in my cd player in the late 90s early 2000s you know mm. uh, like early prodigy things like that oh, yeah. um and i love the way that he takes uh sounds that would normally be samples in songs like from prodigy chemical brothers Fatboy slim apex twin whatever um they would be like you know real life samples that he would turn into instruments and in, and in, in those kind of commercial music but he would like kind of recreate sampled sounds on the sid chip and play mm. them in the music so it's great manipulation of those square channels That's crafty. um and if if i had known that you were going to be hanging out with him i would have asked you to send him my regards but uh you know, it's really <laughs> cool that you were able to and it, it was it was hard for me to pick a, an individual track from slipstream to uh to choose but i just i really loved the percussion in this one and those little kind of like almost like squeaky sounds like boop 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 i really enjoy mm. that stuff it's sort of like um, ghost notes in the in the breakbeat kind of thing right? yeah like, absolutely yeah, very very uh, very very subtle but they kind of have to be there to give it the thrust i think 
Right, and and the menu screen and the whole presentation of the game feels very much like uh, like Wipeout, like the stuff that the Designers oh, Republic kind yeah. of put together. Yeah. Everything's very, uh, like lots of angular shapes kind of moving against each other and really uh, popping colors that are kind of, uh, they don't really blend well together, but in the kind of shapes that they are, they almost feel like they go well together. It's a whole kind of like this this early 2000s aesthetic that they kind of bring <laughs> forth on the C64. It works very, yeah. very well. And the game itself is kind of like, uh, I guess it's like Star Fox meets uh, like Sylphid for the Mega CD. Mm. Um, okay. It's got that kind of gameplay where you're kind of behind the ship. Um, more like a shoot 'em up style game, which is sure. is a fantastic genre for this kind of music so yeah all in all it's, it's a fantastic package and one probably one of the best looking and and uh most uh aesthetically pleasing to me releases that we've had on this show so really good stuff i think so too i mean to to attempt uh, that sort of quasi polygonal graphics on this system is uh pretty bold to say the least uh, <laughs> and the fact that they've kind of pulled it off i'm tremendously impressed with that uh, yeah, I think I think Star Fox meets Wipeout would maybe yeah that that's, that does sound about right to me. Maybe what the yeah. fu- what the future looked like in at the turn of the millennium kind of thing. <laughs> so if you're uh, if you have a lot of nostalgia for the PS1 type materials out there, but you also want to play some Commodore 64, you can do a lot worse than Slipstream, and you're going to be for treated sure. to some excellent excellent drum and bass informed inspired tunes with this uh, with this game. So that's that's just about us. We had eight tracks on there. Um, this episode could have been uh, very, very long indeed with the sheer volume of exciting music that's been put out on uh, modern Commodore 64 games. Uh, could even do a sequel one day, who knows? But hopefully, hopefully you've uh, enjoyed these picks that Ed and I have put together. And now I just want to play lots of Commodore 64 games when I get home. Uh, hey, bef- well, we've got the opportunity because we're going to come back with some more uh, C64 music on my channel eventually, are, too. So. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a very good point. What we're doing here is a kind of uh, guest exchange, if you like. So mm-hmm. uh, Ed's on my show here. And yes, I will. I think it's recording next week, aren't we? We're going to be doing some old school Commodore 64 yeah, for sure. So uh, I guess we're going to be releasing that the 9th of November on the VG Embassy. We're going to be doing some old school classic Commodore 64 music, which uh, it's going to have some deep cuts, but also a lot of stuff that uh, probably is pretty well known too. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So uh, before I go home and play some games, uh, the usual end of show business. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do so by emailing uh, foreversoundversion at gmail.com. You can like this show on Facebook at facebook.com slash foreversoundversion. And you can follow me on Twitter. The handle is FSVpodcast. So, Ed, the VGM, VG ambassador. Oh, you're, the, you're the prime VGM minister. Sorry. You're, you're, uh, Correct. That, that is your title, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's what I am on the VG embassy. Yeah, but... And everyone else is the VG ambassador. That's so. right. I'm going to be a VG ambassador. You are. Wow, so I'm going to make sure I uh, wipe my feet on the way in, and uh, I'm not going to do a Beastie Boys on you or anything like that. (laughs) Yeah, so that's going to be over at uh, thevgembassy.com, and you can also find my show on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, basically anywhere that uh, podcasts can be 
found. So if you want to subscribe to the VG Embassy ahead of time and in time to uh, catch that release with uh, with Michael that comes out, you can head over to VGEmbassy.com and you'll find all the links to my stuff there. Yes, and I, I imagine quite a lot of my listeners uh, will already be familiar with the VG Embassy's uh, uh, back catalogue thus far. But uh, if you aren't, wholeheartedly recommend it. Uh, it's, it's, going, it's going out weekly, isn't it? We- well, it started off weekly. We did... We did uh, we did our first eight shows weekly, and because uh, those those were kind of shows that I recorded before the show launched. Ah, yes. And now we've kind of backed down to uh, every other week, so uh, okay. it kind of gives me a chance to, to keep ahead of the game. And once in a while, I throw in a uh, bonus in-between-week show. And then if you're a Patreon subscriber, you also get a third bonus episode each month, so mm. technically it's three shows per, per month if you if you want to subscribe to the Patreon, so... Lots of stuff to, to yeah. go through when you get over there. Yeah, so get right on it, everyone. VG Embassy. And also uh, Impulse Project, another fantastic show. Uh, and uh, Pixel Tunes Radio, that's there's so many, like a real multitude of episodes on there. Uh, I don't think even I've listened to all of them. I've listened to quite a few, but uh, yeah, you, you were really uh, bringing some first-rate VGM material on that one. So thanks a lot, Ed, for everything you've done to uh, get these get these deep cuts and classics to so many ears it's uh it's really nice to have you on the show a real a real og for my money of the vgm podcast game well thank you michael it's been an absolute pleasure and i i can't wait to have you over at the vg embassy too all right thank you very much i'm looking forward to that also all right everyone uh, wherever you are take it easy and i'll speak to you all very soon all the best for now take care all <laughs>